السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على المبعوث رحمة للعالمين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد Allah says quite a few in quite a few places in the Quran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in surah al-fussilat وَمَا رَبُّكَ بِظَلَّامٍ لِلْعَبِيدِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says in surah al-kahf وَلَا يَظْلِمُ رَبُّكَ أَحَدًا Surah Yusuf إِنَّ رَبَّكَ عَلِيمٌ حَكِيمٌ and surah al-Baqarah إِنَّ اللَّهَ بِالنَّاسِ لَرَؤُوفٌ رَحِيمٌ It's from our aqeedah and our belief system as a believer as believers, we have to believe this, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't have any obligations upon him towards his servants. Nobody can oblige Allah to do anything. And nobody can assume that there's anything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has to do by force or by compulsion. Basically, everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does is by his complete volition and choice. It's up to him. He does as he pleases because he is Al-Mukhtar Al-Kabir. He's the great, the majestic. He is the one who's got absolute choice. There's absolutely nobody that can impose anything on him because he is the imposer of everything. He is the one who brings things as he wishes and when he wishes. And it's only his will and his desire that find realization and fruition in this world. He is, with all of that, he is not haphazard. Despite the fact that he can do whatever he wishes, you see that things work in a very predictable way, in general. We, the sun rises every day, and we wake up to it. Uh, whether you see the sun or not is another story. But we know that it's daytime and then it's nighttime. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is just, and you see how sometimes in unjust people are punished in this world. They're supposed to be punished in the hereafter, but they're punished in this world as well. You see, sometimes good people are rewarded abundantly. There's a special reward that's given to them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the just, He's the wise. And we also see and know, and we have to believe as, as Muslims, that He also has compassion at heart because He's Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, the merciful and the compassionate one. Uh, we, he's, he's actually making us read this throughout the day in Surah Al-Fatiha. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all the affairs of the world and everything that He set up, the whole nizam and system of this world, has been prepared in a way that allows us to function, that allows us to make something out of this life, so that it, it's there for a purpose. It's there to make it conducive, it's facilitating for us uh, to be able to do things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then distributes among people their sustenance. Everybody he gives a different amount. There's a unique amount that has been allotted and stipulated for each individual. None of us actually know what we're going to eventually end up getting by our deaths. But whatever has been written for us and decreed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is what we'll end up getting at the end. He can then tell his, he can then tell his servants to do as he pleases. And thus he tells us what to do and what not to do. He prohibits us from certain things and he uh, orders us to do a number of things. He can give to any of us what may seem like addition and extra compared to what he may have given to somebody else. 
So you may see that so-and-so seems to have a lot more than me, even though he's of a similar or she's of a similar status as I am. Uh, we're from a similar background. Uh, we're from the same ethnicity. We both do the same job maybe, but they seem to have a bit more than we do. Or we may notice that we actually have more than others and Allah has blessed us. So you get this disparity in this world. Anything that he decrees, there's nobody obviously to push his decision back. And there's nobody that can advance anything that he wants to come later. Nothing can happen except as he wishes. That's why he says in a very majestic way in Surah Al-Anbiya, لَا يُسْأَلُ عَمَّا يَفْعَلْ وَهُمْ يُسْأَلُونَ he should not be questioned about what he does. They will be questioned though. So talk about yourself. You will be questioned. That's why a poet says, مَا لِلْعِبَادِ عَلَيْهِ حَقٌّ وَاجِبُ كَلَّا وَلَا سَعْيَ لَدَيْهِ ضَاعِئُ إِنْ عُذِّبُ فَبِعَدْلِهِ أَوْ نُعِّمُ فَبِفَضْلِهِ وَهُوَ الْكَرِيمُ الْوَاسِعُ Which means that Allah owes nothing to the servants. Meaning there's nothing ob obligatory upon him for the servants. There's nothing necessary. Never so, never so. But the one thing that you have to remember is that there is no effort that will go to waste and be redundant in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anything that a servant does or a human does is going to have some kind of response and it's going to have some kind of value in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala depend on, depending on your ikhlas and so on. So then the poet says that if they're punished, then it's out of his justice to punish them if they've done something wrong. But if he gives them reward and if he gives them bounties, then it's fabi fadlihi. It's out of his grace because he is the most benevolent and the most extensive in, in his supply. So despite all of that, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can do as he, as he wishes and so on, every, everything that he does do is full of immense amount of wisdom. Everything he does, I mean, if you've got something and somebody else doesn't have it or you don't have it and they have it, right? Whatever it, that may be, it's got a huge, huge amount of wisdom behind there. Sometimes you, you, you won't understand it. Sometimes you will understand it immediately. Sometimes you'll understand it after a few years that, oh, that happened that way because of this reason. Had it been different, right? Had we not had the trouble at that time, we would have still been in that area. Imagine there's somebody who had a bit of trouble and then they had to move out of the area. And mashallah, because they moved out to a different area where there's a better environment, they actually benefited. But if they were, had not been forced out of that initial area, then their children would have grown up there and they may have had difficulty and huge challenges that may have faced them because the same kind of environment conducive for rearing your children may have not been present in that area. But you would never have moved out of there. Because people generally find it very difficult to move, uprooting, it's like uprooting a tree to move houses. It's very difficult. So had you not been forced, it may have seemed bad at that time and difficult at that time because maybe, maybe there was just uh, some, some major issue with the council or maybe there was some issue with the neighbours or whatever the case was. And eventually you had to move out and mashallah then you came to a place that was different. So sometimes we understand these things sometimes we don't so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whenever he does anything despite the fact that he can do whatever he wishes it's always based on some kind of justice and fairness right sometimes which we understand sometimes we don't and Allah reiterates in the Quran the verses that I read Surah Al-Fusilat Allah says وَمَا رَبُّكَ بِظَلَّامٍ لِلْعَبِيدِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not an oppressor of his servants he's not an oppressor of his servants you want to be a servant he will not oppress you if something happens to you that you think is 
Difficult? Well, difficulty is part of this life. Difficulty doesn't mean it's oppressive to you. There, there are huge benefits coming from that. Number two, وَلَا يَظْلِمُ رَبُّكَ أَحَدًا Surah Al-Kahf, right? Allah does not oppress anybody, reiterates. Then Allah says, إِنَّ رَبَّكَ حَكِيمٌ عَلِيمٌ or إِنَّ رَبَّكَ عَلِيمٌ حَكِيمٌ Both things. Allah is the all-knowing, omniscient and the wise one. What He does is all full of wisdom. And then Allah says, Surah Al-Baqarah, that إِنَّ اللَّهَ بِالنَّاسِ لَرَؤُوفُ الرَّحِيمُ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with people is extremely compassionate and merciful. So His wisdom, based on compassion and mercy, and all of that, He doesn't ever oppress anybody for whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told them to do. So now, what's very interesting is that sometimes Allah will test you by giving you something. But at other times, Allah will test you by taking something away from you or not giving you something. And you'll find difficulty in both. Or you won't find difficulty in either of them. But you will then react in a particular way. So for example, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you something, He's given you extra money. He's given you several children. He's going to now test you, are you going to fulfill their rights? That's going to be a much more tough endeavor than somebody who has not been given children. That test, can, that, they've got a different test. They've got a test of being prohibited children. It's totally different. If that person who's been prohibited children, who doesn't have children rather, and they do sabr, they are of a higher status with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than those people who have been given children, but don't fulfill their right or don't do the right train, type of training. So from a worldly perspective, they're going to be very excited. I've got many children. But from a spiritual perspective, there's a decline. On the other hand, you also have situations where somebody doesn't have children and thinks that that is the worst thing that can happen to them. And a lot of people feel this way who can't have children. They see everybody else with children and it's this natural human desire and want to have children. I mean, this is the way Allah has generally made us. So it's only natural you want children. But if you're not given children, then how do you deal with it is the bigger question. So a person doesn't have children for several years of their life and they feel that I don't have any happiness, I don't have any fortune in my life, I'm completely unfortunate and so on. Then they get a child and that child wor works out to be their worst source of test and trial that he causes them he or she causes them so much misery so now let me ask you was it better not to have children or was it better to have children this child grows up or god forbid drags their name through the dirt they end up disowning this child and one day they even say i wish i didn't have children you, you've seen people in crazy places who kill their children because they do something that, they don't, that the parents don't like. You've seen people, based on culture, they will disown their children because maybe they want to marry somebody you don't want them to marry. So, what is good and bad for us has to be re-looked at. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Surah Al-A'raf, وَبَلَوْنَاهُمْ بِالْحَسَنَاتِ وَالسَّيِّئَاتِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ we have tested them, or we will test them, with both with the good and bless, good good things, bilhasanat, things that you will see to be excellent and good for you, and with sayyat with evil things. 
so that لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ so that maybe they will return to Allah and eventually understand that goodness is just with Allah is living by the way Allah wants you to live and not with what you've been given because I could have a nice phone be really excited about it but then if I lose that phone then look at the harm that does for me psychologically something you love a lot and you lose it so good and bad is in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it's how we treat things so then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in surah al-anbiya so Allah in these verses is telling us that he tests people both with difficulties bad things and with the good things most of us never consider the good to be a source of fitna they only think that when something goes wrong and there's a calamity, that that's a trial. But if we have, then we just want to enjoy it. They don't realize that that's a test as well. Allah wants to see us how we do things, how, how we react to the good that Allah has given us. And that's what he says in this. Then Allah says in Surah Al-Fajr, فَأَمَّا الْإِنسَانِ إِذَا مَبْتَلَاهُ رَبُّهُ فَأَكْرَمَهُ وَنَعَمَهُ فَيَقُولُ رَبِّي أَكْرَمًا This is the human being. That the insan is such that if Allah tests, if his Lord tests him and is generous on him and gives him things that he wants, and gives him certain bounties, the person will end up saying, my Lord has honored me. Is it, is it an honor that Allah has given you these things? Or is it a test and a trial? Is it, it only becomes an honor after you fulfill their rights. It's not an honor first. It's only an honor if you're thankful to Allah and you fulfill the rights. Then Allah says, Then there's another person that Allah tests. So what he does is that he restricts certain things. He withholds certain things. He constrains things on them. doesn't give it to them. His sustenance. And then the person says, God has forsaken me. God has humiliated me. God has not looked after me. So is that really what it's all about? So Allah is saying, this is how humans are. If you, they see that you're getting something extra, you think God has honored you, but is He really honoring you in giving you that? And then if you don't get something and Allah restricts His sustenance from us, we think God has forsaken us. Is that the true thing? Is that really? And I guarantee you, most people think this way. When we get, we say, Alhamdulillah, we thank, we thank Allah. And that's good. If you're thanking Allah, it's good. Everybody that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala seems to be giving things to doesn't mean that he has honored them and every anybody and everybody that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taken thing, uh, things away from doesn't mean that Allah has forsaken them but this these are both tests to see that does this person do shukr and does that person do sabr and that is really what is the goodness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he gives us the ability to deal with the both both situations in the correct manner that's why my topic today after building up this introduction is purely about people who can't have children because like I said that's a massive test it's a big challenge from all perspectives because not only are you going to be feeling bad about this most likely but you're going to be for the rest of your life being questioned about when are you going to have children? Why don't you have children? Aren't you trying hard enough? Subhanallah. As though it's something like just baking some bread in the morning or something. Right? So for such a person, I want to explain that this is nidham. This is the nidham of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Maybe his, 
withheld this from you because that's how he wants to benefit you. And he want, and you can still make this and still gain a higher position maybe than other people who actually have children. You may be faring better, just depends on how you react. That's why for any person who doesn't have children, it doesn't mean that you must just sit back and think, I will never have children. You can continue to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that's what I would have mentioned. What, how should we deal with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the sense of what should we be doing? And number two, how should we deal with people? That's really what I want because I get a series of uh, questions about this. And there's a lot of people who are in a huge amount of misery because they don't know how to react in this case. They don't know how to deal with this case and it's our responsibility to try to help. The first and foremost, we need to pay full attention to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and keep asking Him that, Oh Allah, remove this infertility from me. Remove this, this blockage from me. Allow me to have children. Allow me to have children. You should never become despondent even if you've been told that you will never have children. You should never become despondent. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know the nizam of what they may say that oh it's because you can't produce this, these eggs or you, you don't have this or you don't have that. There's various different medical issues that come about uh, which can contribute to, to this issue and sometimes there is no medical issue. It's just gonna take time. And there's a lot of people who've said that it's when I gave up trying that that's when I got my child. This is all to show that it's not in your hands. It is not in your hands. Maybe you with your tension, with your problems because you're not managing it. Maybe that's why you're restricting your system because psychology has a massive impact on the way our bodies function. Right? We can make ourselves ill by thinking evil thoughts. And we can make ourselves feeling better by having fresh, great, lively revive, revivalist ideas. And you can, you can do so much more. If you look in history, you had Ibrahim salam. He was about 70 years old. Today, imagine anybody at the age of 70 having a child. That, that's a miracle on its own, even today. He has a child at that age. Sarah his wife, did not have a child. Then Zakaria his story is mentioned in the Quran in the most wonderful way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah, Surah Maryam. Zakaria is saying, Rabbi, he's calling to his Lord, right? Rabbi inni wahan al-azmu minni He's telling us how to ask. He's saying, look, I've got all the excuses. I understand. My bones, they've, they've become worn out. They become weak. My hair, it, you know, you can tell that I've got old age on me because my hair is all gray or white. But I don't want to be deprived of your du'as. I don't want to be one of those who are deprived by your du'as. So he asks Allah, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responds to him and says, Ya Zakariya, inna nubashiruka bi ghulamin, ismuhu Yahya, lam naj'allahu min qablu samiyya. We're going to give you a child. We've given you the glad tidings of this wonderful Yahya, whose name is going to be Yahya. Never made anybody like him before. In his name, never had, never had that before. Surah Ali Imran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is, this, this is another time that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about this. Zakaria alayhi salam says, Rabbi habli min ladunka dhurriyatan tayyibah, innaka sami'u dua Oh my Lord, grant me from yourself a righteous progeny, an excellent progeny, a pure progeny. Because innaka sami'u dua because you listen to du'as, you respond to prayers. 
So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says in the Quran, فَنَادَتْهُ الْمَلَائِكَةَ The angels, they announce to him, they call out to him, وَهُوَ قَائِمٌ يُصَلِّي فِي الْمِحْرَابِ While he's standing there praying in his niche of prayer, أَنَّ اللَّهَ يُبَشِّرُكَ بِيَحْيَى Allah gives you the glad tidings of Yahya. Of Yahya. You can tell with all of this that he is in a particular state, he's asking Allah, right? So because everything is in the hands of Allah, it's sustenance to be given, to be given children. Then in Surah Al-Anbiya, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَزَكَرِيَّا إِذْ نَادَى رَبَّهُ رَبِّ لَا تَذَرْنِي فَرْدًا وَأَنْتَ خَيْرُ الْوَارِثِينَ When he calls out to his Lord, Zakariya alayhi when he calls out to his Lord that, O oh my Lord, do not leave me single, do not leave me alone, isolated, meaning without a progeny. And you're the one, you're the best of those who can give, who can give inheritors, who can give people, uh, who can uh, give people children to leave behind after them. Allah says, we responded to him. We answered his call. And we gave him Yahya. And we, we made his wife better, his spouse. We basically cured her to be able to have children. Because, see in all of these, Allah says this three times in the Quran, this story. He only needed to say it once, but he knows that there's going to be people with this challenge. He wants them to take a benefit from this. So he says, إِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا يُسَارِعُونَ فِي الْخَيْرَاتِ That they were people who would really vie with each other. They would really make haste in, in doing good things. And they would call out to us. They would make dua to us and they would pray to us both in great, in great humility and in great awe and fear. And they were, they were in awe and they were fearful of us. That is the state a person needs when they want to make dua for something like that. Have you made that kind of dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So from a worldly perspective, Right? There's going to be many people who are going to have this issue or challenge of having children. But remember, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has everything in His control. And that's why there's a very interesting thing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned here. In the beginning of Surah Maryam, Kaf, ha, kaf, ha, ya, ayn, sad, dhikru rahmati rabbika abadahu zakariya, idh nada rabbahu nida'an, khafiyya, ذِكْرُ رَحْمَةِ رَبِّكَ عَبْدَهُ زَكَرِيَّةِ Remember the mercy of your Lord when his servant Zakariyah called out to him. عَبْدَهُ He didn't say ذِكْرُ رَحْمَةِ رَبِّكَ نَبِيُّهُ زَكَرِيَّةِ Because from this he wanted to show that Anybody who's a slave of Allah, this is for that person. This is not something specific for Zakariya This can happen to anybody and today you can see in the world there are people having children at older ages. It's an absolute possibility. So, wadhib ala dua Be regular on your du'as. Be regular on your du'as. Especially try to find the times of day, times of the week, the places where du'as are accepted. Because dua is going to be your best dawa to this. You can take as much medicine as you want, have as much treatment for fertility as you want, but dua is going to be the greatest thing because most people have, they have children without treatment. So that must be the case that it's in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Call unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the ismullah al-a'zam. Ya Allah, 
other opinions are Ya Rahman, Ya Rahim, Ya Hannan, Ya Mannan, La ilaha illa an subhanaka inni kuntu min al-zalimeen, Ya Hayyu, Ya Qayyum. These are all possibilities. Use the 99 names to pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But just don't rush because you can't do anything about this. There's nothing physically more you can do as long as you do what you're supposed to do. That's all you're supposed to do. وَلَا تَقْنَتْ And do not, do not be despondent. But know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inshallah, is going to respond to you. Allah says, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ When my servants ask about me, then tell them that I'm close. أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِي إِذَا دَعَانِ I respond to those who call upon me when they call upon me. فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُ لِي So they should call upon me. وَلْيُؤْمِنُوا بِي they should seek a response from me by, by calling on to me. And they should believe in me. لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْشُدُونَ So that they may, maybe they can gain guidance. Allah says in Surah, surah Al-Baqarah, Surah Al-Ghafir, Allah says, وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمُ دْعُونِي أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ Your Lord says, call upon me and I will respond to you. So first is dua. Of course you try, but you do dua. And number two, you do abundant istighfar because istighfar, removal of sins, uh, seeking forgiveness for sins, opens up the pathway the blockage, it removes the blockage, it removes hindrances, it removes the obstacles. And maybe it's something in our life we don't know, we just want to eliminate all obstacles. So do lots of istighfar, because this is, uh, to do istighfar, as uh, has been mentioned in the Quran, is actually the source of gaining huge rewards. Uh, a person came to Hassan Basri, rahimullah, I can't have children. He says, istighfirillah, seek forgiveness in Allah. Because Allah says in Surah Nuh, فَقُلْتُ اسْتَغْفِرُوا رَبَّكُمْ إِنَّهُ كَانَ غَفَّارًا يُرْسِلِ السَّمَاءَ عَلَيْكُمْ مِدْرَارًا وَيُمْدِدْكُمْ بِأَمْوَالٍ وَبَنِينَ And, and it carries, carries on. That seek forgiveness from your Lord because He is the oft forgiving. He will allow the, the skies to shower in abundance upon you. He will send the water in abundance upon you. And He will then assist you, extend to you children. Banin, children, and wealth. Istighfar is the second thing you do. Then after that, you take as much medicine as you can find. Meaning, you go and try to find a cure. But along with that, what we have to understand is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, the, the Prophet sallallahu said in a hadith of Sahih Muslim, لِكُلِّ دَاءٍ Every sickness, there is a cure for. There's a cure for every sickness. This is a sickness. Right? So there's a cure for every sickness. فَإِذَا أُصِيبَ دَاءٌ بَرِئَ بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ When you get the right dawa and cure to come together with the problem, with the sickness or the illness, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with, with the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it will become better. We need to find a cure. We're going to be looking for a cure. If you want to cure. One of... Uh, along with the conventional medicine and along with the conventional tests and trials and other exercises that you may be given, do all of that. But along with that, don't forget the sunnah forms of cure. I, I, I'm telling you this, that sometimes, you know, if, I'm, if I feel I'm about to get an allergy, or if I feel that I'm getting some kind of ache somewhere, right? But since I've started doing this, I've noticed a benefit. I'm about to get an allergy, I've got some other issue. I will put my hand there as the Prophet has said and start reading the dua at least seven times. Allahumma rabban nas, adhibil ba's, washfi anta shafi, la shifa'a illa shifa'uka shifa'an la yugadiru saqaman. I remember I was in Hajj two years ago 
and I did not want to become sick and ill. Like I wanted, I just didn't want anything. Every time I could feel something coming along, a cold, a cough, a sore throat or whatever, I was obviously taking my medicines and things like this as well. But every time I made sure that I put my hand there and I made the dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sometimes you've got a stomachache, you put your hand there with full yaqeen and you read this dua. It has benefited hugely. Otherwise the Prophet would never have said it. This is the one thing we don't do. We might make dua, but the way that the specific way the Prophet has told us to do things, we don't do that. Allah subhanahu wa so, ta'ala. So aside from doing those things, the other thing is also to use what the Prophet has considered there to be curing. So, for example, there is a Qira'atul Qur'an. Reciting the Qur'an is the sense of a cure because in the Qur'an, وَنُنَزِّلُ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ مَا هُوَ شِفَاءٌ وَرَحْمَةٌ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ We have revealed of the Qur'an that which is a cure and a source of mercy for the believers. Read Qur'an, read Surah Al-Fatiha, read other parts of the Qur'an. Just read the Qur'an as a shifa as well. It will give you shifa of many things. Straighten our minds out in terms of how we must think about this as well and try to go to Makkah Mukarramah, Medina Munawar, go for Umrah, go for Hajj if you can do so. Go and drink a lot of Zamzam water because Zamzam has Shifa. Zamzam has the ability to, uh, when you drink it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responds to your du'as then. Recite Fatiha tul, uh, the Fatiha Tul-Kitab which is Surah Al-Fatiha because Surah Al-Fatiha has Shifa. Read Surah Al-Fatiha with Zamzam water when you drink it. Huge amount of benefits. And other things, take black seed. Black seed oil, black seed, black seed tablets, however you want to do it, and honey. These are the what we would call the Islamic, uh, uh, the, the, what, what's mentioned in the Quran and the Hadith as to what has Sunnah. So take some of that. Don't leave anything unturned. I'm saying do what you can. Aside from the conventional medicine, do all of these things as well. You don't know in which of these the Shifa and your cure has been written. That's why there's a wisdom in everything. Now, if it's taking too long for you, you obviously need some kind of comfort. You need some kind of satisfaction to be able to deal with this. So what you have to understand is that at the end of the day, it's up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anything he does, whatever he does, there's a wisdom behind it. Don't rush him. There are so many people who will only get children after a while. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Lillahi mulku samawati wal ard. He has the kingdom sovereignty of the heavens and the earth. He creates whatever he wishes. And then he says, He gives whomever he wishes, he gives them boys. Whoever he wishes, he gives them girls. In fact, he mentions first, he gives girls to whomever he wishes. And then he gives boys to whomever he wishes. But then there's some people, he will make them infertile. They won't have children. There are some people like that. Innahu alimun qadir. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is well aware of everything and he has power to do whatever he wants. That may be the case with you that you may not have children. You may, Allah may not have written children for you. You can try, but it may be the case as well. So don't think that if I don't have a child, that means that's the end of my life. No, just be thankful that you're here and that you can work for paradise. That is probably more important. Allah will satisfy you in paradise. Go and adopt children if you have to. Go and foster children. There's so many ways to have children and to show your love and affection. Yes, it'd be nice to have your own children. We must thank Allah those who do have children. But at the end of the day, if he's not going to get it, you can't produce one yourself. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Wallahu ya'lamu wa antum la ta'lamun. Allah knows you don't know what's really good for you. 
Don't think that whatever wrong has happened or whatever the situation is, don't think that it's evil for you, but it could be good for you. The ulama, they've looked at sabr and the way to deal with things. And one of, one of them said, uh, one of the wise people said, Yabna Adam, ni'matullahi alayka fima taqra, a'adham min ni'matihi alayka fima tuhib. Allah's giving you a bounty in the form of something you dislike is actually superior than Him giving you the bounty in the form of something you do like. What does that mean? That means that something happens to you which you don't like. That's, he's, he's calling that a bounty. And there may be greater goodness in that because it's going to protect you. If you had it, it would cause you problems. Or that if you don't have it and you do sabr, it's going to shoot you up in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, than if you did have it, because then you become more relaxed about things. And maybe you dislike something, but it actually there's goodness in it. And that's why uh, another great sage said, You need to be remain, you need to remain satisfied with Allah in everything that He does with you. He's only withholding something from you because He wants to give you. Meaning by withholding from you, He wants to shower His mercy and He wants to elevate your status. He wants to reward you by that. And He knows if you have this, it's going to cause you issues. If He tests you with something, it's only because He wants to give you well-being afterwards. And if He gives you sickness, then He wants to give you cure afterwards. And if he's going to give you death, then it's because he's going to give you life afterwards. There's always something that comes about afterwards. Don't even for the blink of an eye, move away from being satisfied with his decree. Otherwise you will drop from his sight. There's a friend that I have in another country. He got married, he wasn't very, he wasn't very practicing. He used to come home and just from work and just watch Indian movies. He's originally from Bangladesh, but he's in America. And uh, he got married to, I don't know if he's a co-worker, I don't know how they hooked up, but he got married to uh, a, an American woman who was Christian. Like he was an immigrant and she was a, um, American born and bred. So they got married and she used to be more she used to be more practicing than he was. She used to read her Bible. He, he would be watching his Indian movies, right? And uh, I think it was after seven or eight or nine. They, they couldn't have children. They didn't have children. Then one day what happened is uh, he gets a knock on his door. Our you know, wonderful Tabligi brothers, they come and mashallah, they manage to convince him. And he changes and he becomes much more practicing. When his wife sees him practice, she sees a massive change. She becomes a Muslim. And then after that, they start having children. And now, I mean, the last time that I remember, they had five or six children. Allah gives things at the right times. Now, if they had children earlier on, God knows what they would have been doing at that time because it would have been really confusing for the children, Christian mother, Muslim father, who's not very practicing, and so on and so forth. Maulana Ashabari Tanwi, rahimahullah, he had two wives and none of them had children. He didn't leave behind any children, subhanAllah. A great man like that, he's got two wives. So a lot of people, they think if I get married again, it'll happen. But sometimes the problem is that with them sometimes. 
Not to say that they, they can't, you know, I mean, they, they can if they want to, but that's not always the answer, right? It can be an answer, but that's not always the answer. People stress about it a lot. And there's huge amounts of problems that happen. Look at the Prophet he none of his wives had children with him, meaning he didn't have children uh, except with Khadija radiallahu anha and then with Maria Qibtiya radiallahu anha. Other, that, other than that with the rest, there were no children that survived at least, you know, there's no children. Aisha radiallahu anha didn't have children either. So we, we have to understand that this is the nidham of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the world that sometimes that is what just happens. You may be thinking that happiness is in having children, but maybe Allah knows otherwise. He gives you children and then after that you're, you get so miserable for the rest of your life. There's so many people we may even know that pass their whole lives doing great things for people. They don't have children. Right? They, Allah has just made their calling elsewhere. They use the time to do other things. Or maybe they adopt children. I know people like that. I've got friends who've adopted children because they can't have their own children and they're quite happy with it. They're quite happy with that situation because you have to learn to live with it. Now, while I've mentioned all of these things, the one thing that I want to now speak about is people who, do, who can't have children, how do they deal with the questions that are going to come about? Um, so they're going to get questions like, what are you waiting for? Isn't it time to get pregnant yet? Like, have you, are you trying to have children? Or are you guys like using contraception or something like that? Right? Or are you still on the pill or something like that? It gets very hurtful. Now there's two issues here. Number one, we should be sensitive to people who don't have children. And while we may be asking with all concern and compassion, because it's the normal kind of thing that everybody, once they get married, then they talk about children, right? We need to take cues from the way they may react and try to be nice about it because it's very painful. It's very difficult. The worst part is when it's the in-laws who are attacking this daughter-in-law for not being able to have children. Maybe the problem is with the husband. Sometimes they do test and they say it's actually the woman. It's not the husband. He's fine. Right. Maybe that, that, that's the case. But regardless of that, worse still is when she has a daughter, for example, and she can't have a son. She doesn't have a son. One, two, three, four, five. Hopefully the next time, the next time, the next time. I mean, I've, I've had a case where somebody emailed me. I think she was pregnant. She was going to be due very soon. She had several girls already. She said, please make dua because if I have another girl, I am, my, my, they're going to they're gonna kill me or something. Maybe not literally kill me. But some people go through so much pressure. Why can't all of these people start asking a life? They're really concerned. You can't put it on a woman to design a baby for them, right? The way they want it. It's just really ridiculous. But then some people, they're so sensitive about this that they actually make it more miserable for themselves. Now, I know that they're in a massive predicament. It's very difficult. But I think they're going to just have to learn to have a bit more thicker skin. They have to understand that most people that will ask them will ask them with a genuine, for a genuine purpose. It's the, it's the society, it is the convention in society, it's the habit, the custom for people to want children for others, to inquire about children. You're going to get those questions. If you're going to get upset every time somebody asks you that, you're going to get a lot of things to be upset about. It's just the normal community. You can't change everybody in the world. Just think about it. You can't change the thousands of people you're going to meet. Otherwise, you're going to stop meeting people. You just can't do it. That question is going to come up. Just find the best way to, dissolve, to, to resolve it. Best, best, the best way to actually answer it. This happens a lot when um, one, of the, one of the other questions is um, sometimes you get converts 
right? They come to a kind of very ethnic masjid. That's uh, a Gujarati masjid, an Arab masjid, a Pakistani masjid or Somali masjid. And they feel that nobody's welcoming them. Now, what we have to understand is that while people should be welcoming and it's our responsibility to be welcoming, but generally when it comes to bigger communities, there's people going in and out all the time. Hardly anybody knows each other. There's few people know each other. People generally only get uh, to incline towards those they know. So sometimes people like that who are from a different background, when they come to a masjid with a different background, they see everybody speaking in their own language, they feel really upset. But take it out of your mind that they're doing it to spite you. They're not. Most people aren't doing that. This is not a conspiracy against you. This is just normal society ethics, uh, society functions, convention. People generally speak to people they know. Right? There's going to be very few people that are going to look out for people. Not everybody has that. So don't take it in a front directly. There's people who want to leave Islam because they can't fit in. You don't have to fit in. Understand that this is from the perspective of an ethnicity. There will be places that, that, you, that you will get to fit into. But don't make this a source of your abandonment of your faith. The abandonment of your faith because that's not what it is. And I know that we need to do more about this. Meaning the, the host communities need to know more about this. Of course men have to deal with this kind of stuff as well. They get kids like... Um, any news? You know, are you guys having children yet? These are all predicaments. I don't think it's based on hasad that the questions that people ask. I don't think so. I think it's just general convention, right? For people to ask these questions. So let us ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, uh, to, to, uh, to, to help ourselves and uh, help other people. And uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to be satisfied with what He has given us. May Allah allow us to be thankful for what He's given us and allow us to be patient in what He hasn't given us. But we ask Allah to give us the best, and may Allah bless you all. May Allah bless us all. Wa akhiru da'wana, and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.